Hello, everyone, and welcome to Co-Ops Connect. I'm your host, Abby Carreri, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Connexon. Each episode, we bring you authentic, heartfelt stories from rural electric cooperatives deploying fiber broadband networks to serve their territories. We sit down with co-op leaders who are tackling head-on the rewards and challenges of bridging the digital divide in rural America. Hello, everyone. We're here live at Co-Ops Connect here in Tampa with one of my favorite people, Ron Barnes from Coast Electric and their broadband subsidiary, Coast Connect. Welcome, Ron, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Abby. You're one of my favorites, too. Aw, I appreciate that. So this is your first ever Co-Ops Connect event. This is the fourth one that we've held. Um, We've got nearly 50 co-ops here, and we've got quite a few of your peers in Mississippi that have joined us as well and have also also participated on some panels. Can you tell us a little bit about how the show's been for you today? Yeah, it's, I think it's everything that um, either someone that's in the business working with Connexon or someone thinking about going into the business, it's everything they would need. I mean, there's um, the topics are all right on track for what we're dealing with in our daily lives, and that's what I like so, so much so far. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the additional deep dives that we're going to do, but so far, it's been well worth my time. That's great to hear, and you were on the feasibility business planning session this morning, along with some other cooperatives and even some that are actually doing a different model than you. So hearing about the Connects on Connect model, partnership model, versus how Coast is doing their model. Can you tell us kind of what the difference in that is and, you know, why Coast decided to choose the route to be the operator of the network themselves? Okay, great question. We were thinking about doing broadband but hadn't made a final decision. The pandemic hit and then Mississippi had about $75 million available through CARES Act. So we had to make a very fast decision, and uh, we had already done three feasibility studies. We had already recommended to our board to go with Connexon. I'm not sure that Connexon Connect was 100% up and running when we started, but regardless, I think a lot of it had to do with just the speed that we needed to move. So, you know, we looked at other people that we could partner with. In the end, we felt like we could do it ourselves. So that's the way we did it. Although we really knew nothing about what we were doing, you know, a year later, you know, we've been very successful. So let's talk about some of the early stages of planning and and getting into the business. You you touched on the feasibility studies and, you know, chose the route to go with Connexon. What comes after that? So, you know, for us, we could have never gotten to where we are now without because we really had no knowledge to set up or run a broadband network. So what came for us next was the help of Connexon getting us crews to do both the running the fiber and also the splicing. Uh, Y'all were able to help us get a list of people that we could do RFPs for. We were able to get us uh, materials, vendors. So it was very instrumental in us having a partner such as Connexon to be able to know where to get started. Then over the course of time, you know, we've learned some of that ourselves. But just in the early days, it was so critical. And how long was the construction process before you turned on your first broadband customer? Well, again, but we, we did it faster than we would have liked to have done it. But we started um, building on about August the 1st and turned on our first customer November the 3rd of 2020. 
and that was due to the CARES Act as well. At the time, the CARES Act required that you make a substantial difference and spend the money by December the 30th of 2020. They subsequently went back and changed that and moved it to July of 2021, but it was too late for us. We were already too far down the path, so it actually was a good way for us to get kick-started because we did things quicker than we might have felt comfortable with, but it got us into the business that much faster. We got customers served that much quicker as well. And are you all still moving at that fast pace today? We are. We, we did go through a small period where we lost some contractors due to Hurricane Ida. That hit Louisiana, and we're right next to Louisiana and New Orleans. So we lost, uh, for about a month, we lost crews, but they're back again. Luckily, we were so far in advance because we were working much more quickly than even the feasibility study said that we would. So it really didn't hurt us, and we were, we were far enough along that we still had plenty of drops to do and installs to do. So that never really slowed down at all. And how many customers does Coast Connect have hooked up today? So as of today, we have approximately 4,300, and that's basically in one year. So we're very, very proud of that because we really thought that we might be able to get about 1,500 in that first year. So, you know, we far outpaced our expectations. And when you look at Mississippi as a whole, the legislation passed in 2019. In 2009, January 19. And then nearly 80 or more percent of the electric cooperatives in the state have moved forward with broadband. Yeah, I, I believe that when when the statewide, and, and I worked very diligently to get the bill passed, I believe that the statewide thought that there would be six or eight co-ops that will go into the broadband business. I, I believe, do believe that CARES really made a big difference. And, of course, the pandemic. Uh, we all really suddenly saw that this was a, a a desperate need in the more rural areas of our service territories. I'm proud to say that in Mississippi now there are 21 of the 26 co-ops, and one of those is a GNT. So 21 of the 25 distribution co-ops are either in the business or very, very close to being in the business. Can you talk about the collaboration amongst the cooperatives in Mississippi and any broadband committees or groups that you all have formed to support one another? Yeah, collaboration is everything in Mississippi, whether it's on the electric side or the broadband side. We have a monthly broadband committee meeting, and we cover all kinds of topics there. We've had everything from looking at uh, building a statewide network to um, we've had farmers come in and tell us the need that they have for the service. It's collaboration is something that, uh, you know, as a cooperative, it's one of our founding principles. We cooperate with each other. During the um, time we were in the quiet period during Ardolf, you know, we had those other folks that were in our consortium that we could talk to and visit with. And that really made a big difference for us because that was the time we were really just getting started. So that constant communication amongst other co-ops that are doing this gives you, you know, the ability to not have to do everything on your own or figure it all out on your own. And I guess, could you talk to that? Could you talk about joining uh, the Rural Electric Cooperative Consortium, being able to communicate with your peers throughout a bidding process, and then how that process went working with Connexon? Well, again, never done an FCC auction. It was critical for us to get into a consortium with other like-minded electric co-ops that we would be able to, you know, share resources and be able to, um, you know, help answer questions together. The resources that were brought to the table by Connexon 
in the form of um, the FCC attorney, Todd Lantor, and his team with what uh, Randy and Jonathan did for us uh, all the way through, kind of coaching us and, and walking us through that process, even into, um, you know, fighting with the FCC to make sure that we got our long-form applications approved so that we could be authorized to start receiving money. It's good to have a partner and people that are kind of looking out for your back. Well, and congratulations on getting the fundings awarded finally. Yes, uh, yesterday we, we got our award. I was actually driving here to this meeting, and um, someone called me and said, congratulations. And so uh, we're working quickly now to get those last couple of items that are required. Hopefully we'll start receiving some money in January or February. Can you talk to how much money you received in the RDOF funding and then how that helped with your overall project costs um, for you know financially? Right. We received $7.8 million. That's over 10 years. For a project like ours, which is really about 180 to $200 million project, that may not seem like a lot, but every little bit counts. When you add what we got, uh, $6.1 million from CARES, that gets us up to close to $15 million. Plus, we know that there's a lot more that's coming down the pipe. So it's really critical for a board of directors to be able to have some feeling that, hey, someone else is sharing this burden with us. It's not all going to be on our members. And can you talk how uh, Connexon was involved in the CARES process with the Mississippi cooperatives and then even post-CARES helping expedite the build process? Yeah, well, you know, I sound like a broken record here, but again, we would have never been able to do what we did with the Mississippi State Legislature had it not been for the support of Connexon providing us uh, maps, working with us behind the scenes to get us ready to take that information to the legislature so that that they could see that we were a good bet to spend this money and to build out areas of the state that probably would have never been built out without it. And then, of course, it's like the dog catching the car. Once we catch it and we do get that money, then we've got, a bit, we've got to spend it really quickly to be able to make a substantial difference and to have the money spent by December of 2020. So we're talking about roughly five months to be able to get this done. Uh, Connexon brought us Irvin Contractors to do uh, fiber. They helped us find uh, someone to do installs. They helped us find people to do splicing. The materials, you know, when everyone in the world was looking for materials in the middle of a pandemic, they had uh, fiber available that other people couldn't get, and we were able to get in a very timely manner. Just quite frankly, we couldn't have done it without the help of Connexon. So let's fast forward. You're at approaching 5,000 of your members being connected to high-speed internet, and you've got a ways to go. We've got nearly 80,000 or more to serve. I'm sure you're getting lots of feedback and the energy that's coming in from your members. Can you talk to that and and even some of the impactful success stories that you've seen across the communities? You know, it's really done exactly what we told the legislature that we thought it would do when we asked for the ability to go into this business. A lot because of the pandemic, there are a lot more people working from home. You just typically can't work from home if you don't have good internet connection. So now we're giving them the best internet connection they can get anywhere in the world. We're helping our students be able to do homework that before they were having to drive to the library or the local McDonald's to be able to get Wi-Fi service. We're helping elderly people to be able to do uh, telehealth visits that before they were having to either drive into town to see a doctor or drive into town to be able to video chat with a doctor. 
all those are huge success stories. One of my favorites, though, is a young lady who was able to move back to her family farm, her ancestral property. She was not able to live there before we brought internet there because she has a business that she operates online. And when we were able to get fiber to them, she was able to not only move back there into the country with her husband and her kids, but she's able to run her business there. We hear those stories on almost a daily basis where this has literally changed people's lives. And that's in the business that we're in is the quality of life business. We're not really in the electric business or the broadband business. We're in the quality of life business. So when you can improve someone's quality of life by giving them services that they just like they could get anywhere else in uh, more populated areas, I think we've done our job as rural electric cooperatives. Absolutely. And, you know, that that goes to when you're looking at this workshop here in Tampa that we're at today um, with all the cooperatives gathering together, what advice would you give those co-ops who are on the fence and, you know, decided maybe they thought they would attend the workshop but decided not to? And then those who are just saying, hey, broadband's not for me. What advice would you give them about coming out and attending an event like this to help and aid in the in, in learning more? Well, we did the same thing. You know, I, although I wasn't able to attend, we sent some of our directors. We sent Lewis Lee, who's now our project manager. I believe it was to the... Um, to the event in Texas and let them hear about all the different things because we really just knew nothing about this business. So if you know nothing about the business, you've got to be able to learn about it from somewhere. Who better than people that are doing it that are electric co-ops just like us? And quite frankly, it's one of the reasons that we went with Connexon is because Connexon was formed by co-op people. Thank you for listening. Co-Ops Connect is brought to you by Connexon, the industry leader in rural fiber network design and construction management. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Please email us, marketing at connexon.us, with your suggestions or for more information on how we support electric co-ops deploying broadband.